0: Hello. Today is Wednesday, February 7th, and welcome to episode 294 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm NSI's senior fellow, Lester Munson. I'm joined today by NSI's deputy executive director, Jessica Jones, and my fellow senior fellow, Morgan Vigne. Today, we are talking about francophone West Africa. There's a lot of developments in this region of the world. Senegal, which has been a very stable country, relatively speaking, in the region, just announced uh, the president, Macky Sall just announced that he is postponing this month's presidential elections indefinitely. This is a major blow to those uh, who care about democracy and human rights in West Africa. Another recent development is Mali, Niger, and Burkina Faso, all pulling out of the regional grouping known as ECOWAS, or the Economic Community of West African States. Also of note, uh, there is a recent story in The Washington Post from late January about a Pentagon plan to train U.S. troops alongside the troops of those three countries, Mali, Niger, and Burkina Faso, and other countries that are either coup countries or have serious human rights abuses, such as Sudan, Ethiopia, and Eritrea. This Pentagon plan was evidently scrapped once uh, complaints from Capitol Hill, specifically Senators Cardin and Elizabeth Warren Cardin, let's remember as the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, complained about this plan to train U.S. troops alongside these troops of countries that no longer were democracies that either had coups or other serious human rights abuses. Morgan, I want to go to you first. Uh, this, this has been uh, there's a lot of other stuff going on in the region. Notably, uh, the Russian mercenary company Wagner Group playing in a role in a lot of these countries. What is what is happening in West Africa, and and how should we be thinking about it?
1: Right. So Wagner has an extended presence in, in Africa in particular. I mean, I think we all know they are most known for their work in in the Central African Republic. Um, more recently, they have saw West Africa as a huge opportunity given the sort of democratic backsliding, the coups. You have all of these, you know, new governments, so to speak, whether they're legitimate or not um, is, is a different question. But you have these new leaders in place from Burkina Faso, Niger, Mali, who have really rejected Sort of the traditional international peacekeeping forces, we saw these three countries, you know, recently decide to leave ECOWAS. Um, Mali, for example, kicked out UN peacekeepers with MINUSMA. So there, there really is a rejection of of international peacekeeping, um, and even from from regional forces for that matter. Um, they still have a terrorist threat that they're facing from Islamic extremism within the region. They see Wagner um, as clearly effective in, in going after the these terrorist elements that threaten the stability of, of the regime um, and so as a result of that regardless of whether you know wagner you know commits mass atrocities and human rights abuses they're effective at killing people and protecting uh international leaders and so the, i think these african governments see an opportunity um, to solidify their control um on power and, and Wagner is certainly helping them do that
0: Jones, uh, I, I'm hoping you can comment on this this Pentagon idea that U.S. troops should be training alongside some of these governments' military forces. Again, some of those military forces implicated in halting democracy or suspending democracy. They've engaged in coups or near coup-like activities. What, what are your thoughts about this this Pentagon plan that seems to have been squashed by a couple of key senators?
2: Well, I think, you know, to the conversation on the Wagner Group, I think, you know, the U.S. is trying to figure out a, um, a policy where it's active in the region and building relationships with these new governments, but also is trying to balance that with the human rights records that are that are apparent in in these countries. I mean, you've got uh, – it's it's no surprise, really, that the three countries live, uh, left ECOWAS. I mean, they were being sanctioned by um, the regional organization and ECOWAS itself. I mean, it's a regional, you know, integration – it started out as a regional ed- and uh, economic integration uh, movement, but you know, there's also an African you know, Free Trade Act itself. There's a lot of other things. And so it's kind of going beyond its gambit of economics into politics. Um, and so I think you know we've talked a lot on the show about how the Biden administration and previous administrations have not come up with a coherent uh, foreign policy when it comes to the African continent. At, at times it's bilateral, it's one-on-one you know, conversations instead of thinking strategically and long-term about how to smartly deal with the region.
0: So, all right. So, Morgan, I want to I kind of want to put it to you here on the tools in the toolbox for U.S. policymakers. It seems I, I and I will disclose my my strong <laughs> bias here. It seems like the Pentagon is trying to figure out a creative way to get inside these governments, to uh, get to know them a little bit better, to understand what their vulnerabilities are, what their strengths are, to get some U.S. troops in there to right. on the ground what's happening. This doesn't seem like a terrible idea to me. And even though. The congressional restrictions, which include a ban on military aid to coup governments, and the fact that the U, and a prohibition on the U.S. training units, military units in foreign countries that have human rights abuses, those are those seem like sensible policies. But those restrictions, it appears to me, are are really kind of putting us in a corner about how we can deal with this very rapidly developing situation in West Africa. Just over the last couple of years, uh, many coups in the region, the Wagner Group moving in and really playing a key role here, the U.S. and and our Western European allies kind of being pushed out of capitals and not being as relevant as we used to be. And while it's true, West Africa is not exactly the most critical strategic region in the world, it could become yet another vulnerable place where we're worried about – uh Uh, Global terrorist organizations, the predations of China, some of some of these other global concerns we have. It seems like we've got a vulnerability here. You were at the Pentagon in the last administration. What do you think of this uh, kind of attempt to maybe make a difference in some small way in these countries?
1: Les, I mean, you're hitting on a perennial problem here that it, it's not new, I think, it's, and it's certainly not new in, in sub-Saharan Africa. You're dealing with congressional restrictions around human rights, good governments, democracy, and you pit that against a very sort of realist mentality, right, in which you have uh, U.S. security interests at stake in countries which, frankly, are undemocratic right this this is not new i think what we're seeing right now in um west africa is, is that it's all coming to head we've seen this pattern of of coups and um undemocratic transitions of power in um in recent years and we're starting to see this void this gap open up and russia coming to fill that and so i think congress has a Needs to work very closely with the administration here on trying to find a a way forward. Um, I know that, you know, Senators Cardin and um, Rish back in December actually released a resolution, introduced a resolution on Senegal. Clearly said the Senate has been tracking this for quite some time. And there needs to be a more robust sort of way forward and compromise between the administration and Congress on sort of how to address this, because right now it seems that they're really at loggerheads.
0: Jones, uh, what are your thoughts here? How much should we be blaming France for these problems? These are This is Francophone West Africa, <laughs> Mali, Niger, Burkina Faso, Senegal. Central African Republic, Democratic Republic of Congo, arguably. These are these are Francophone Francophone, countries. France played a big role there. Uh, It was the colonial power. It had close ties with these countries through the through the period after the colonial era. And during as and as these countries became nation states, how much should we be blaming Paris for all of this?
2: Uh, Between you and Jamil, like I know yours is what? hundred percent. I mean, I think there is undoubtedly there is, you know, as you pointed out, the number of countries that are um, francophone countries. And I think what you see also in the region is still obviously antagonism towards France and what are seen as kind of behind the scenes or in front of the scenes, French movements to still retain um, or influence what's going on on the ground in the region, and so you see when um, Burkina Faso and uh, Mali and Niger left ECOWAS, You saw actually across the region like support for that, right? You, you really did, and so I think that you compare that and see that with the you know the anti French feelings. So I don't want to blame them less. Um, you won't get me on record saying that, but that that can't be ignored for sure.
0: All right, that's a wrap, or as we might say in, in West Africa, say fini. Thanks so much to Devlin Burney, Claude Jennings, and the NSI staff for their help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Friday, February 9th for another episode of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security and foreign policy debate shaking up America. Fault Lines is now on YouTube, so check out our channel for a video of today's episode. If you like what you heard or saw, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe.